Instrumental, anything goes. Feel free to sing along if you want. In Japanese? <laughs> if you want to. If you play it, <laughs> um, I'll sing along if you play it. Oh, I haven't got it here to play. How does it go? Yeah, nice try. <laughs> Have you ever um, thought that anything goes and putting on a Ritz are like pretty much the same song? Yes. <laughs> when you're blue and you don't know. It's kind of the same. It's like the Hollywood version of like you know volcano dante speak it's the song version of yeah, that the song version yeah <laughs> yeah there's an episode we should think about songs that are exactly the same <laughs> i like i like the idea of the movies the movies version yeah yeah well, where we, we do uh dante's like, peak and Vol- you know, volcano I feel, I feel like every, that's been done a hundred times probably armageddon and uh, deep impact <laughs> maybe we can maybe we can find other podcasts that are exactly the same as the ours same and, and just do those yeah <laughs> swap we'll hosts we'll <laughs> yeah just to mess them up Ah, shit. Uh, G'day, everyone. Uh, Welcome to Good Movie Monday. You're listening to the weekly podcast dedicated to nerdy cinematic ramblings. My name is Glenn Cochran. Sitting across from me is Ben Helwig, straight out of Oakley. How are you, mate? Straight out of (laughs) the mean streets. (laughs) I had to kick the crap out of three Oakley wogs to get here today. (laughs) And that's a gang. That's what they call themselves. I'm not being racist. (laughs) When I was a kid growing up in Oakley... (laughs) <laughs> Going to Oakley Primary School, they used to tag the school, and you always used to worry if you threw a party when you got to high school and you threw a party, because there was always a rumour that the Oakley Wogs would show up <laughs> and stab someone. Oh, if this is your first time listening, you've picked a good one. <laughs> Ben's cancelled himself. Usually it takes at least 15 minutes for Ben to cancel himself. <laughs> well, I mean, I was about to say today's show could go in any direction, but it already has. Talk about, yeah, school, <laughs> school gangs. Um, we're calling this episode Anything Goes, and that is to say that the theme for the show is the fact that there is no theme, and um, I guess strap yourselves in for some random, uh, nonsensical, non-directional <laughs> fun. I think the <laughs> subtitle should be, I didn't have time to watch anything this week, <laughs> so I'm just talking about old shit. <laughs> well, I have no idea how your side of this is going to go, um, but I can tell you that I'm essentially just going to throw some movie titles in the air, kind of like a a long version of Lucky Dip that we do on the videos. Well, you told me that uh, all your films were films that you saw in the cinema in the late 80s, early 90s. Is that correct? Yes, and and I didn't want to have a theme, but I thought to myself, what are movies that just instantly come to my mind as, like, you know, nostalgic? And it's movies in the late 80s, early 90s that I saw at the cinemas that had an impact on me. So and that's that's a, that's a great idea, and because I was had parents who didn't really take us to the movies much, mine would have been movies I saw at the video library in the late eighties, early nineties. <laughs> didn't have the same ring to it, and Miff is still on as we as this episode goes to air. Yep. So I thought I would do movies that I first saw on the big screen at Miff. There you go. So we we kind of themed it, but anything goes, mate. It's, well, yeah, that's right. The the mixture of films, like I've got a page full. Which which you told me before before we went on air, you cannot talk about all of these films. Uh, <laughs> if, if it's a listicle, you can. Yeah, if, it's, if I just uh, read out the names. Yep. Um, 
But this, like, this list is actually like there was a period of time, I think from from two thousand when I first started kind of working full time after I dropped out of uni, mm-hmm. uh, like the legend that I am. <laughs> Look where uh, you've landed, and mate. Went, went, good went, movie Monday. Good movie Monday. That's right. <laughs> dropped out of uni for a full time career in retail. <laughs> Uh, a rewarding full time. Why don't you wait till I've got a mouthful of coffee before you throw a banger at me, mate? Um, and I, I would buy them back when they. I think they still do, but I don't know if it's called the same thing. But at the point, Miff had like a. It was a silver passport you could buy. Yeah, and it was basically a ticket book that gave you one ticket to every session, and there mm-hmm. were like 160 feature films and God knows how many shorts. Yep. Uh, and so I would, I would just take two weeks. Or more. I'll take my annual holidays from. I think I was working at Borders at the time. Yeah. Borders and maybe Alternate Worlds. I would take two weeks off and go every day and watch four or five movies a day. Mm-hmm. But then, like, it got to the point. I think by year three, where I would, I'd lie in bed in the morning and just go. I, I just don't want to go. <laughs> it's too much. I don't. I, can't, I don't. Want, and then I remember thinking, what? And I was like, I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna have a sickie. And then I remember thinking. <laughs> I, there's no boss. I, there's no one making me go. If I don't go, I'm just not using today's tickets. Yeah. But yeah, I don't have to. I don't have to pretend. Mm. I don't have to make these excuses to anyone. I could just not go if I don't want to. Yeah. Wow. Well, uh, so then there's. So I missed, and I was going through because Miff have a great archive on their website of all the programs from the past festivals. Yep. And I was looking at them. I'm going. Why didn't I see that? I didn't see that there. Why didn't I see it there? Yeah. And it's because I was faking a sickie. Mate, well, I'm not an avid myth goer. I have been a few times. Um, don't have as many stories to share, but uh, we'll get to those in a minute. Hey, we have a website, and uh, it's goodmoviemonday.com. So if you go there, you'll find um, pretty much everything that we do. We have all of our episodes catalogued. We have uh, videos, all of our specials. We have um, competitions and a whole lot more. And when you get there, click on through to our social media platforms. There's tabs for all of that. Go check it out. And if you're an avid TikToker... Follow us there too. Uh, bite-sized portions of Good Movie Monday. I actually thought you were going to say when you said uh, go there, tell them Glenn sent you, and I'm like, it's you. It's <laughs> you're the you're the one that's there. <laughs> tell me, I sent you. Yeah, well, I'd like to know because I know you say you say you know, it's got all the things we do. <laughs> yeah. We are being very very generous with that term because hey, you do it all. Yeah, but when it comes to let's say TikTok, for example, you occupy ninety percent of that space, mate. <laughs> Not intentional. <laughs> Although Chloe did do a great belch on our last update episode, and that is there. Oh, lovely. Yes. Um, on last week's show, um, I just want to clear something up, because I remember trying to talk about a movie that David Spade and Chris Farley um, had started making together and went separate oh, ways, okay. and I couldn't for the life of me think of what it was. So if there are like avid followers that, you know... Avid fans of Chris <laughs> yeah. Farley and David Spade no, out there. No, of Good Movie Monday that are like, you know, <laughs> latching onto every syllable that comes out of our mouths. Um, the movie was Almost Heroes and I got it around the wrong way. It was Chris Farley who made the film without David Spade because apparently they had a falling out during the production and Matthew Perry stepped in to take over for David Spade. That explains why he's in it. <laughs> he's far too good looking to be in that movie compared to the rest of the cast. It was supposed to be David Spade. So look, I feel better. It was irking me all week. I'm like, you know, I've got to let people know what Hang this on, say, was. Say that again. Sorry. Why did David Spade drop out? Well, they had a falling out. Him and Chris Farley ah. had a falling out. And I believe it was over the drugs. Right. Don't quote me on that, but I, I recall reading somewhere that they had a, the lifestyle was becoming an issue. Right. So, because I thought, I thought you were going to say he dropped out because Chris Farley died. I'm like, hang on a second. <laughs> 
Chris Farley's the one who should have dropped out, not David Spade. <laughs> if now he you, died. Now you're confusing things as much as I did last week. Yeah. <laughs> who's, who's the what's in here? Next week we'll clarify this conversation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what have we got coming up on today's show? The three guys from Bonehead Weekly are going to swoop in and, and talk about three random movies just to go with the whole Anything Goes theme. And I just want to reiterate, I, I did mention it in last week's podcast. Yeah. But I, I listened to, to to their latest show, <laughs> yes, uh, which was I think also a, a random episode. Yep, where they had no theme. It was the episode with no theme. They're copying us, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. <laughs> it was like hanging out with three pals, <laughs> and we have never met. Yeah, like yeah, we've we've I've met on 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 Zoom, Zoom yeah. once or twice, <laughs> not in person, but we've never met in person. Never had like a personal conversation with any of them, but. It was like hanging out with three pals. I thoroughly enjoyed the show. We will have to do a trip to Kentucky and uh, hang out. I am down. Yep, me too. I am downtown Brown with that. Next week we'll announce our GoFundMe. (laughs) (laughs) Could you imagine if we did that? We did a GoFundMe. Uh, We just want to go to America. Pay pay for our trip. That's right. We've both got jobs. We'll create content. We uh, We we promise. Yeah, we should be able to pay for this ourselves. But (laughs) come on, come on. Oh, Jesus. Well, Guillermo gets a free pass because he is overseas gallivanting and doing these things that we wish we were doing. Son of a bitch. Exactly. And of course, uh, then there's this legend, uh, Jarrett Garn, the PE instructor extraordinaire. I just want to clarify the PE instructor thing because if you are a new listener, you have no fucking idea what he, when he says, hey, welcome to PE class, it's like, okay, that's physical (laughs) entertainment because uh, that doesn't make sense if you don't know that. Yeah, otherwise you think it's physical physical education. Well, it's physical education, but it's not the actual <laughs> the high school or primary school version. No. There's no uh there's no 12 minute run. Now that we're um yeah, Jarrett, I know you're listening, mate. Like now that we are like, you know, an R-rated kind of show, unlike when we began, you're welcome to bring the PE teacher back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that uh yeah. That PG rating was never going to survive with me on the show. <laughs> Well, here he is anyway with what's coming out this week on Home Entertainment. I don't think it's much. I think it's pretty slim pickings this week, so let's find out. Hey, this is Jarrett and welcome to PE Class. Now, it's a lackluster week of releases this week, so I'm not going to waste really any time talking about them. The only one I'll mention is that Mad Men are releasing David Mamet's Glengarry Glen Ross, the excellent Glengarry Glen Ross. However, they're only releasing it on DVD. Why Madman? This title's been released on Blu-ray in the States since like 2012. It's come out multiple times over there on Blu-ray. In fact, there was a special edition that came out several years ago through Shout Factory on their Shout Select label that had a new restoration and a bunch of special features. So why are you only doing DVD? I don't know. It's been out on DVD here locally countless times. It's been in bargain bins. But anyway, let's move on to something more exciting, some news. So first up, Roadshow will be releasing the Warner title Elvis. That's right, Baz Luhrmann's Elvis. They're releasing it on all the formats, 4K, Blu-ray and DVD, and it's coming out September 21. Next up from Roadshow, another title from the Warner catalog, but a deep cut. It's George Stevens' 1956 classic Giant with arguably James Dean's best role. My favourite will always be Rebel Without a Cause, but this is an incredible film and an amazing performance. Then finally, from Universal Sony Pictures Home Entertainment and from the Paramount catalogue, they're releasing Adrian Lin's 1987 erotic thriller Fatal Attraction on 4K Ultra HD on October 12th. You remember this one, Michael Douglas and Glenn Close, and the first question you kind of ask is, 
Why is Michael Douglas cheating on his wife with Glenn Close? Have you seen her in this movie? Anyway, that's it for the news, but I'm not going to let you go just yet. I'm going to provide a recommendation. And in the vein of this episode, it is a random recommendation. And that title is God Told Me To from 1976. Now, this one was released back in the day on video here in Australia under the title The Demon by CBS Fox Video. So if you've seen The Demon, you've seen this film. But if you haven't seen this film, or if you've seen it before, you need to see it again. It is incredible. Written, produced, and directed by the legendary Larry Cohen. This one stars Tony Lobianco, Sandy Dennis, and Richard Lynch. It follows a detective who's hunting for answers when a series of mysterious mass killings take place throughout New York City. There's no clear motive as to why these are happening. The only thing that the murderers are telling the police when questioned is, God told me to. It's engaging from start to finish. It's a must see. And like I said, if you've seen it, see it again. If you haven't seen it, you need to check it out. And now it's just been released by Blue Underground in the US on 4K Ultra HD. So completely restored. It's loaded with special features and you need to check it out. Why? Because God told you to. Anyway, that's it for me for this week. So until next time, stay physical. Ah, there we go. All right. Jarrett from Monster Fest, Monster Pictures, whatever you want to call it, he runs their social media. So go over there, give them some likes, but not before you give us a lot of likes. Yes. <laughs> like, always us first. Like us first. <laughs> Alrighty, let's do well, it. Well, it's, um, it's, I mean, it's really both for me. <laughs> and I will say one one actually gives me a, a living wage. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to say which one. <laughs> not the one that does the GoFundMe. <laughs> but not the one that does the GoFundMe. So because there's no theme for today's show, anything goes, I'm going to throw some random titles out. Like I said, these are ones I saw at the cinemas and they did leave an impact. Not necessarily good movies by any means, but um, three of these I'm going to lump together because I sort of, in my mind, connect them by association. So the first one, Don't Tell Mum the Babysitter's Dead. Yeah, right. Second one, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. And the third one, Weekend at Bernie's. So do you, can you pick my connection with those? Uh, somebody dies in all of them. <laughs> <laughs> kind of. Well, the first on, one would so be... Weekend at Bernie's. Yep. Don't tell me I'm the babysitter's dead. What was the, th- what was the middle one? Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. <laughs> is death in? Or is he well, in? no, that's not He's the, in the second one. So the way I connect them in my head, it's one of those... It's like when you watch High Fidelity and he connects his movie, his music collection by like autobiographical. Thanks for that. High Fidelity was one of the movies I saw at Miff. Uh, <laughs> was I was going to talk about really? <laughs> No, it's fine. But it um, was. It totally was. <laughs> so what, the way I connect them, Stephen Herrick directed Bill and Ted and Don't Tell Mum the Babysitter's Dead. That was sort of a back-to-back thing. So in my mind, I remember feeling really movie smart when I was young, like that I knew that fact. Oh, it's the same director as Bill and Ted, and that was like my first little, you know, bit if, of an ego if trip. If that's the case, I want to say, it just goes to show how sexist <laughs> Hollywood and not, not just Hollywood, but how sexist the world is, because... Don't Tell Mum the Babysitter's Dead was fucking huge. Yep. Like it, and Christina Applegate was huge because because of it. Yep. As big, I would say, as Bill and Ted. Yep. Yet Keanu Reeves, <laughs> massive career. Christina yeah. Applegate, well, that, TV career. Is it, well, is that because she went into television? Or was she in television before it? Was, she was already in Married with Children yeah. before, as far as I know. Yet he had been a movie actor <clears throat> Up until then as well. So I think maybe it was just the, the path she was already on. Yeah. Well, he know. could be in action movies. Yeah. She, <laughs> at that time, maybe could Well, I mean, I'm not sure know. she doesn't um, bemoan her career. She's had a pretty good one. She's had a pretty good career. Uh, but anyway, so then Weekend at Bernie's and Babysitter, I lumped them together because they both sort of deal with dead corpses. Even though in 
don't demand the babysitter's death. You don't really see a corpse. They dump her at the morgue. Like, yeah. <laughs> and she happens to have all the money on her. <laughs> they yeah. can't go back and get it. Um, and then, and not to mention, like, both of those movies with the corpse, it's not like it's fucking, like, criminal what they're doing. Like, no. That's the thing that you, know, no you watch it now, it's like, man... This fucking FBI'd be after you. <laughs> I just like they. No, once do they talk about the smell? No, like of the, especially weekend at Bernie's. Two. Like he's <laughs> he's in the in the heat. He's in the hot sun. Bernie, and, and it is so hot the tar melts on the roof. On the roof, so Bernie would stink. He would, particularly in part two. Yeah, you know they put him under the sea on the on the poster art, so that's how they preserved the brine him, the pickle. Oh yeah, they pickled him. <laughs> but anyway, let me focus on don't demand the babysitter's dead. I kind of also, in my mind, I, I watched it recently in the lead up to this and it kind of made me think of Adventures in Babysitting and Licence to Drive. They're ve- it's very similar, like if you combine them. And um, Keith Coogan is in Adventures in Babysitting too and he's the brother in... Which one would you say, this is a controversial Ooh, one, which, yep. one would you pref- which one do you prefer? Don't Tell Mum or Adventures in Babysitting? Adventures in Babysitting all yeah, the way. Too. Yeah. It's a great movie. I don't care for any of the remakes, but that original with like Vincent D'Onofrio as Thor. As Thor. <sighs> and I have to say, as much as a, as much of a crush as I had on Kelly Bundy, <laughs> does not hold a candle to the crush Andrew I had Shoe? on Elizabeth Shue. Elizabeth no, Shue. <laughs> Andrew, did I just say That's Andrew Shue? <laughs> you uh, you just added yourself as a as a Billy from Melrose Place fan. <laughs> You know what that was? I wrote an article about him not long ago. Yeah, right. So when you said shoe, I'm like, fucking Andrew. Remember when he played the oh, wife wow. beater in Rainmaker? <laughs> God, you have to take it what there. A, what a hunk. <laughs> the tagline for Don't Tell Mum the Babysitter's Dead was... I love Andrew Shoe. <laughs> Fuck. I'm never going to live that one down. Uh, oh, yeah, anyway. I think he's a social media um, entrepreneur now. In real right, life. Him yeah. and Hobie from Baywatch. <laughs> yeah. Wasn't it? There, there was all, remember that when like, <laughs> the Facebook and stuff first got kind of, and I think my, I think he started in MySpace, but there was all those articles about how Hobie yeah. used MySpace to get laid. <laughs> like he was this whole big thing yeah, where he would yeah. just, he would like, it was, because do you remember um, those Rate Me websites? Yes, Rate Cali and yep, all that kind yep, of stuff yep. where, like I, just, that was all kind uh, of him. He said Rate, R-A-T-E. Yeah, yes. yeah, rate Kelly. Yeah, rate. <laughs> Sorry, you don't want to get those mixed up. No. Um, although they they're just as bad. Well, maybe not just as bad, but close. Um, <laughs> Dig but that was all. Yeah, but that well, a lot of that was was Hobie. Yeah, and yeah, Andrew Shue kind of yeah. Well, Andrew Shue um, also runs a lot of charity these days, so that's where he's at. Hobie um, does not do that. No, the tagline for "Don't Tell Mum the Babysitter's Dead" was "It's Home Alone times five. <laughs> and it freaks me out to think that Home Alone came before Don't Tell Mother Babies is Dead because it feels the other way around to me. Yeah. But anyway, um, the roll call on this is pretty good. Yeah, Christina Applegate and Keith Coogan, as we said. Josh Charles is in there. Joanna Cassidy. David Duchovny playing a sleaze bag with a ponytail. Uh, Kimberly wasn't, he also in a, wasn't David Duchovny also in one of the vacation movies as the next door neighbours? No, it Christmas. No, wasn't that Beethoven? Is it Beethoven yeah, where him yeah, and, yeah. and, and uh, Elaine... Oh, no, it's no, him no, and Elaine no, from no. Seinfeld so you, of the you're Neighbors. You're confusing two movies. Like, she plays the next-door neighbour in Vacation 3, like the Christmas vacation, with a different guy as a husband. Right. And he plays a similar character in the Beethoven. Right, okay. Um, yeah. Old Man Helwig Strikes Again. Bit of a bit of a um, Twin Peaks uh, double here, because Kimberly, oh, Kimmy Robertson is also in it. You know, the Lucy from the reception in Twin Peaks. Uh, Danielle Harris. You know? Like, it's a good cast. 
It was, I was going to say classic, but I'm like, what does that mean? We're talking about Danielle Harris. <laughs> well, the film was originally written for Winona Ryder. Like, she was supposed to be the yeah, star. Yeah, right. It make, that actually makes a lot of sense. She declined it in favor of Edward Scissorhands and, um, what was the other? Mermaids. Right. I mean, she chose wisely. I mean, yeah. <laughs> she made a good choice. But, um, after, but why would they just wait? But the thing is, after Winona Ryder pulled out, they then offered it to Justine Bateman. So yeah, she right. was originally, I mean, back in the Mallory days, she would have been pretty good for it. Well, she, I mean, she did, did uh, Satisfaction. Yeah. Satisfactions? Satisfaction. With, uh, and she wasn't in Mystic Pizza, was she? That was Julie no, Roberts. that was Julie Roberts, yes. But, uh, and then she did all those movies where she played the blind woman being uh, stalked. Yeah. And her career went, <laughs> went, went down the toilet. <laughs> That's right. Um, she became an author as well, I think. That's where she spent. But then she's in that great, she was in that web series where she... Uh, the supermarket of the stars where it, she's like the trolley girl and Ed Bagley Jr. works the counter and it's all these kind of out of work actors. It's their kind of, you know, like instead of being waiters, they work at this supermarket and everyone, all the people who work at the supermarket are all out of work actors. Have you ever seen, have you ever no, seen that? that I was in know the, of it, but I haven't seen it. That was in the kind of the early days of YouTube. Well, speaking of Which that whole, I, you know, there's that show that's set in Ikea now that, that, um, uh, Ileana Douglas, because Ileana Douglas, I think, is the instigator of that Supermarket of the Star show as well. <laughs> but then it kind of it branched out, yeah, okay. and they picked it up for a prop, and then they IKEA came on board as a sponsor. So instead of working at the supermarket, they all work at IKEA. So fucking weird. Yeah. Um, Jennifer Love Hewitt was supposed to play the youngest daughter, but um, she was doing the Barbie workout. No, uh, Kids Incorporated would not let her go out of her contract. Yeah, wow. And so that's where Danielle Harris came in and took the role. Wow. <laughs> Kids Incorporated. <laughs> Well, I mean, yeah, it didn't do any uh, harm to Martika's career. No, <laughs> that's right. And if you Google Don't Tell Mum the Babysitter's Dead, um, you'll find out that the writers were most inspired by Risky Business when they made it. And you can see that connection when you watch the trajectory I mean, Fox originally didn't want the film. They, um, they wanted it much lighter, and so they shelved it. So this movie actually would have been made a lot earlier if, had it not been for... Fox. For Fox. Another great decision from Fox. Yeah, it makes you understand why they are now owned by Disney. And they also did not want Stephen Herrick directing. They didn't think he was the right person for it after Bill and Ted. And I'm thinking, hang on, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. Bill and Ted. Why would a hit movie? Yeah. <laughs> they didn't think he was right for the material. I mean, at that point, he'd made Bill and Ted and Critters. Like, come on. Like, don't demand the babysitter's dead and Bill and Ted and Critters. Like, it's kind of like. Those first two films morphed, make babysitting, you know what I mean? Yeah. Anyway, he went on, of course, to do Mighty Ducks and... Um, Another classic. Mr. Holland's Opus, Three Musketeers, 101 Donations, Holy Man. He's made like 20... Well, Holy Man. 20 movies in his career, and at least half of them are pretty I would have been more great. impressed if he'd made Dave. <laughs> Not Dave. That was Ivan Reitman. Uh, no, but what's the other one with Eddie Murphy where he's in the guy's head? Oh, Meet Dave. Meet Dave. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, but here's, here's the here's the clincher. This is classic. So some directors who turned it down. So before Stephen wow. Herrick, you had John Landis turn it down. Joe Dante turned it down. John Hughes turned it down. Richard Donner turned it down. Amy Heckling turned it down. Chris, <laughs> Chris Columbus, John Badham, and Joel Schumacher turned it down. I mean, it's the cream of the crop except for the last guy. <laughs> Joel Schumacher. <laughs> but I mean, I can totally see this being a Joe Dante or Chris Columbus movie. Yeah, totally. Like, it's totally up their alley. And I think John Hughes didn't want it because he only directed what he wrote. Yeah, right. You know? Well, I reckon Dante, if Dante would have... Yeah. Da it would have been a darker film Very again. Very burbsish. 
Yeah. For sure. Anyway, so anyway, don't tell mum the babysitter's dead. There we go. We've landed on one for our Anything Goes episode. Oh, and there's a Boom Crash Opera song in there too, which I thought was pretty Oh, awesome. lovely. Yeah, Forgot right. about that. And I, the thing that stuck with me the most, like things that I remember seeing this at the cinemas. It I was, was, like, was there a Rat Cat song in it? It was PG on the poster. And back then you had big fat PG ratings at the bottom of the poster. And yet there's a really blatant F-bomb right within the first 10 minutes. When well, I think you're allowed to have one. In a PG? I don't think you're allowed to have any. I thought the rule was one. So I thought that was M. Anyway, I remember at the time thinking Maybe that was that before they had the M rating. Oh, I don't know. But regardless, in my mind at the time, I'm like, or PG. Or PG-13, before they had PG-13. Yeah, I don't know. But that was a TV-only rating. So who the fuck knows? I don't know. I thought, they, I thought the PG-13 rating was invented for a Spielberg movie. No, that's the American PG-13. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, you're talking I'm talking about, about in Australia, we yeah, had right. our PG rating. Yeah. With the big rectangle box and the PG in it. Yeah, then we definitely had M. We didn't have R. Yeah, that's yeah. why you had all these all these horror films that were M rated. You know, <laughs> Texas Chainsaw Massacre was M rated. No, well, no, 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 the other way around. Like we was, M-A we had was... M-A, yeah, that's right. We had M we had M and we had R. We didn't Silence have M-A. of the Lambs was the one that uh, that introduced yeah. that little baby. But anyway, so yeah, Steve Coogan's putting a uh, a pot of uh, weed on his uh, on his window and it falls out the window and he just goes, Fuck. I'm like, that's very <laughs> articulated. And not at all PG. Yeah, I used to, I like that back then. The and like I've actually I've requested. At one point, I was looking at doing something about all those movies that were banned in Queensland. Yeah. And under the Freedom of Information Act, you can request all of the classification reports. Yeah. From that period, and they I'm an R about it, but they eventually they send it to you. And a lot of the early classification decisions were just like one guy going, "Yeah, I reckon I reckon this is probably an M." Yeah. Whereas now it's very like you tick boxes for every swear word, every yep. slap, punch, kick, or whatever it is, and it tallies up at the end. It's like an equation. <laughs> it used to be open Whereas to interpretation. It was back then. It was <laughs> whatever uh, that guy thinks. Yeah, and it was like <laughs> you're in a bad mood on the day. Yeah. You know. You're fucked. <laughs> yeah, that's right. All right. What are some uh, movies you'd like to talk about? Uh, Miff me, mate. I'm just yeah. I'm looking at some of the. I saw a lot of Kim Ki Duk movies. Oh yeah, at uh, at MIF back in the day. I'm pretty sure. And the thing about film festivals for people that haven't been to one is most of the movies you see at film festivals you're probably never going to see again. Half of them don't see the light of day afterwards. Well, that's it. That's how I always I used to for the most part. Hmm. I used to try and pick um, movies that I didn't think were going to get uh, major releases. Yeah. Uh, after the festival, because mm-hmm. um, it just made sense. Because and I did see some like there's some like High Fidelity that we talked about earlier, uh, Wonder Boys. You know those movies I knew were getting proper yeah, releases, but when they're star studded, sometimes you just want to. Sometimes you want to take a break from all the art house and just watch something <laughs> commercial, bloody oath, bloody oath. and and have a nice relaxing time. Like I think Virgin Suicides was there. It must have been. Uh, I feel relieved Gate. when I feel relieved when I see those movies on the the festival yeah. schedules. It's sort of like if you are committed to a lot, that's like a little break in between. Yeah, and look, and this was it was a different time. Like this, these the movies that I'm talking about specifically, really. All kind for the most part were all in that 2000, 2001, 2002 kind of period. I reckon that's when I first went um, to the festival, and it was it was a lot different then. Like yeah. there was a lot of films at the cat. It's, it's when it was the kind for me it was the golden period because it was Greater Union. The venues were Greater Union, the Capital, the Forum, yep, and Village. Oh, I miss so those. you could run from one to the other and kind of make the next session. Didn't matter where it was, you you could kind of get there, yeah. Whereas now they're at the Aster and yeah, they're at the Lido. And, 
you know, it's 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 a much greater task if you're yep. the Pentridge, like if you're kind of close to it. Mm. Um, but it was also there were no cues yeah. really, except for these. Like, funnily enough, these big films mm. they had cues. Yeah, the big Hollywood ones. Yeah, because audiences are still audience, the, and it's know. and they're watching them ahead of release. That's right. Yeah, it was like it's you know you definitely had bragging rights. Sneak, but yeah. I, but I saw movies like Do you remember Angst? Yeah. Totally. Is that Which, Kylie Minogue in that? Uh, Anya Colby. No, not Anya Colby. Um, it's the one from Abby, Heartbreak Heart. Abby, Abby Tucker. Tucker, yes. Abby that's, Tucker. And that's she right. was there. She was, and that was the other amazing thing. Like, I went to see that, and we were pretty much, that was, that played at the Capitol. Yeah. And there was, there's that, there used to be that Kill City bookshop, uh, kind of a couple of doors down, down a flight of stairs. And I used to go down there and I'd buy, I was, at the time, I think I was reading all the kind of Conan books. Yeah. And someone had done novelizations of The Bill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I was like, I picked up those for a couple of bucks and I would just sit there reading, reading them in the lobby, waiting to go in for the movie. And I'm there sitting next to Abby Tucker, waiting to go into angst, (laughs) not knowing that in 10 minutes time, I was going to see her boobies for the first time and then then feel all, feel all embarrassed. (laughs) I'm like, oh. Because, yeah, it was, yeah. Just for your Melburnians out there listening, um, I was in the city the other day, standing in Burke Street, looking in one direction where Hoyt's uh, city centre used to be, the, yep. the great labyrinth of cinemas that used to be there. Then in the other direction is where the Greater Union used to be. And fuck, I felt nostalgic. I'm like, I miss that stuff. Well, there was, yeah. So like, if you if you stood on Russell Street, <laughs> yep. you looked on the corner of Russell and Burke, yep. you could look up, that's where Hoyt's, yep. Hoyt's was. You looked down... That's where Village and Chinatown cinemas, which was a huge cinema. Chinatown cinemas were great. Or you look down Russell Street and that's where uh, Greater Union was. Yep. And and then if you kind of like a little diagonally, they had the Lumiere, they had the Kino, they had, um, you know, they had a bunch of cinemas. What a glorious time. Yeah. And now, like now, MIF, at least, like I think this year, I don't think they're doing it again this year, but, you know, a couple of years prior, the last time I kind of went on a on a really kind of regular basis, but they're doing stuff at the comedy center. Like they're doing it at venues that aren't traditionally cinemas. Yeah. And they all have seats like the Astor seats. Yeah. 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 Classic. And stuff. And you're like, what is it? Um, what is it? Frank Capra said that every time a cinema closes, a projectionist gets his reels. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, what, did, what did you see at me? the first film I ever saw at me was, um, the irrefutable truth about demons. That yeah, right. New Zealand I, horror film. I honestly couldn't Carl tell Urban. you. Carl Urban. I couldn't tell you what the first film I ever saw at MIF, but I remember. I do remember going to see these two films by Kim Kiduk, um, The Bad Guy and The Isle, or right. maybe it's just Bad Guy and The Isle. And Bad Guy, I found these, these both these movies was were sh- so shocking, like they were incredibly full on. Like graphic violence and graphic sex stuff. Because they don't have to rate them, do they, at the festivals? Or... Uh, you did back then. You you don't unclassified, wasn't it? Well, no, you you, it, you they weren't rated like like uh, like a film for general release. Mm. But you used to basically have to do everything that you would do for a rating. Yeah. You send it off to the classification board in a sheet with every classifiable element listed on a piece of paper, and they would just give it a yeah. a tick. You just didn't have to pay for it. Yeah, gotcha. Like you did, and it didn't get recorded officially, but you virtually had to do all the work. Now it's much different. Now you just go, <laughs> I reckon this is MA, I reckon this is R, and they go, we trust you. And if somebody complains, then... Uh, We'll have a there'll be a problem, <laughs> right. which is what happened when um, I think the Sydney Underground Film Festival I think played Father's Day, mm. and we were playing it. I remember at MIF, and but we I didn't bother submitting it because I'm like, well, I'm getting it classified for the DVD release, which is coming out like a month later. Yeah, 
and they refused its classification. <laughs> and then people went, hang on, how can you refuse it if, if the Sydney Film Festival or Sydney Underground Film yeah, Festival yeah. just played it? And then Sydney Underground Film Festival, I think they got into a bit of trouble. And that was, was, there a... was a, And by trouble, I mean an email was sent. <laughs> but that was a, an outrageous um, excision you had to make for that that concession, uh, mate. That was like the best moment of the entire film had to go. Yeah. Oh, anyway. Yeah, we had to cut out the... the all the cock eating, but in in the bad guy, bad guy is a magnificent film. It's the classic tale, and this has always been my review. Whenever I talk about it, it's it's a classic tale of a boy meets girl, girl rejects boy, <laughs> yeah. So boy uh, impoverishes girl's family, and then whores girl out to fisherman on the dock, <laughs> and then girl falls in love with boy. Well, lovely. Such a such a, a dark and weird film. And The Isle is, if anything, even darker. Uh, which And it's all set, this guy, I think this guy kind of kills his, he kills his wife or his girlfriend. And then he takes off. Mm. And he ends up, he just go, kind of goes on the run. And he ends up being on this, there's this weird kind of lake where this woman, she kind of works on the shore. And she runs the kind of the bait shop and uh, provides food to the people who, and they kind of live on these, they're not even houseboats. They're, it's literally like a raft with a covering mm. that you can sleep in yeah. and they fish on the lake and they, they're out there for, you know, weekends yeah, yeah. or gotcha. whatever. Uh, but she's also a bit kind of nuts. Like at one point right at the start of the film, one of the guys, one of the businessmen on the lake who, who come out for the lake kind of uh, like mistreats her a little. Uh, and then, so, you know, a day later or whatever it is, he's out in the boat and he's kind of squats down to take a shit. And unfortunately, <laughs> Kim Ki-duk decides you need to see what this guy taking a shit looks like. So he, you're, the camera is, is underwater, but you see this guy's <laughs> ass come down and the shit come out and it is, it is shocking. But then she kind of, she swims up underneath it with a knife and just... Oh, Kim Ki-dookie. Kim, she... <laughs> Dookie. He, 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 he kiddukes him. She kiddukes him. And but like but, wow. but you know, I'm sitting there watching this at Miff and the, the stuff it just keeps getting more and more outrageous. Yeah. So in the end, I'm si- sitting there and this was a, I saw this at the village cinema. I am pissing myself laughing at just how <laughs> outrageous this film is. Yeah. The rest of the cinema is silent. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Far out, man. But uh and the, to to my knowledge, those films I don't think I don't even think Mad. I don't think Mad Mad even released them. They did not get releases here. I had to buy imports. Um, they're <laughs> messed up films. Great. I, um, yeah, you just reminded me of a time I did go to Miff. I took my wife, who was my just my um my girlfriend at the time, and we saw a film. It wasn't Lars von Trier, but it was something like that. And there was this scene where there was a pair of scissors over a pair of nipples or over a nipple. And at any moment, it could slice, right? So it's yeah. this moment, the tension is... Scissors with Sharon Stone? No, <laughs> the, the, the tension is mounting. Every, and, and they're holding those scissors there, sort of, you know, it's flexing in and out a little bit. The yeah. whole audience is in suspense. And my wife does not like horror movies or, you know, she's the hallmark chick, right? Mm. <laughs> the silence, she's sitting there just going, oh, fuck, oh, fuck. <laughs> And suddenly a ripple of laughter goes through the audience and the moment the tension was just taken out of that cinematic yes, <laughs> And uh, we came out, it, it was, we came out and we're on the, the sidewalk and everyone's talking about, well, did you hear that woman? We're like, uh, hun, we better, we better go. 
<laughs> All it takes is one to say it was her. <laughs> and then me by association. No, thank you very much. Uh, anyway, oh, good one, sir. We'll talk about a few more in a minute. Um, but first, uh, how about we listen to me, Spruking? <laughs> <laughs> you heard me right. I'm here to talk about Newsly. You already know that. Have you got it yet? Do you listen to us on it? If not, why not? Check out the Newsly app. It is an awesome super app where you get all of your news. Whatever you're into, whatever's trending, it will read news stories back to you in a natural human voice. And it's got a podcast area. We're on there. We're trending. And uh, we'd love you to get us onto your phone. So download the Newsly app. It's completely free and it gives you access to all the trending news articles from around the world, over 80 countries to be exact. And here's the kicker, even though it's free, if you're interested in subscribing to their premium service, you can get an entire month for free using the code MONDAY without the O. That's M-N-D-A-Y. So why don't you get to it? Newsly.me. Check it out. It's awesome.
brings the tone down a little bit. But Magic, what a beautiful song. We couldn't do this show without, you know, paying a little bit of tribute to Olivia Newton-John, Australia's darling. And what a, what a, that is a great song. It is a great song. I'm very upset. <laughs> and I had this conversation with someone on Instagram, uh, with, with Kate from Miff, actually, on Instagram the other day about how disgusting it is that the only version of Magic on Instagram that you can add to your <laughs> stories is the live version. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And don't get me wrong, I understand the the uh, attraction to a live version of a song yeah. and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, for me, give me a studio version where they've repeated a line 300 times <laughs> to make it perfect. Yes. And it's been engineered to within an inch of its life. That's the version of the song I want to hear. That's the version I grew up with, I listened to, I like. Look, don't give me a epoxy live version. And don't get me wrong, like, I think this is the perfect song for this episode. It's a really fun song and it's a fun movie, but... I know you originally wanted a song from Tomorrow, right? Tomorrow, yes. And I was actually going to talk about Tomorrow before the theme kind of... We couldn't use the music because yeah. it was so strictly copywritten and like we couldn't... It's so bizarre that the movie, I the know. music from that movie, which is a almost forgotten slash unknown yeah. film... And yet we get away with... I'm shocked that you've even heard of it. I've seen it. Yeah. I, I enjoy it. Like I just remember those weird aliens at the start. Yeah. <laughs> and it's... It's, it's, it's like Voyage of the Rock well, aliens. It's like the monkeys, really. It's like they're... They made the movie yeah. because they wanted to create a new rock band or pop band. Yeah. You know, it's like Partridge Family combined with, you know. Yeah, The Apple. It's all yeah, of that kind totally. of, you know. Yeah. Totally. And I, I've heard horror stories about it, but then I've also heard retrospective things that Olivia Newton-John has said that, you know, the movie was a shambles, but geez, it was fun. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I'm devastated that we couldn't share that music with people, but go and watch um, Tomorrow. I looked it up. It's on YouTube. Lovely. In yeah, entirety. I was... For the life of me, I think Umbrella may have brought the DVD out right, at right. some point. Yeah, I could not for the life of me find it when I was looking for it. Uh, I think there was a lot of controversy about that one too because I think it was shelved for many years because the producer hated it so much that he didn't right. want anyone to see it until you know, he was dead. And right. fortunately for everyone, he died. So everyone got so to see it. Got yeah. to see it. <laughs> well, it's also one of those things where you're like, I'm no, no one can see this. But hang on, Olivia Newton-John is huge right now, yeah. so you'll make a fortune. Yeah. Uh, okay, maybe a... <laughs> I would love to see that thing. at a festival. Like a retrospective screening, you know? Oh, anyway, so there we go. You know, rest in peace, Olivia Newton-John. Like, it's a big deal, you know, yeah. lost her. So let's talk about some more movies. Um, I don't know, this is a weird transition, but from Olivia Newton-John to Fred Savage. I want to talk about Fred Savage movies. So what are your thoughts on The Boy Who Could Fly? Well... All I really remember from The Boy Who Could Fly is the Fred Savage yes, stuff. that's exactly right. So this movie, all I remember from being a kid seeing us at the cinemas was he's in his camos, he's riding a trike, he's got a water gun full of piss. and it's yeah. <laughs> he's, harassed, he's being harassed by yeah. bullies on the street. Yeah. And then finally he decides to get his own back. And I remember belly laughing when the bully goes, oh, you're going to shoot me with water? And he goes, no, piss. <laughs> yeah, he goes, you think I'm free? Yeah. <laughs> You think I'm scared of a water pistol? It's not water. Piss. <laughs> and that tickled me, Pink, when I was a kid. But look, this movie, I, I, it's, it's a movie that appeals to kids in a different way than it appeals to adults. Because yeah. as a kid, I never picked up on the autism stuff. It's a boy with autism, right? Yeah, no, I just thought he was just like, I thought, you know, he was just a kind of a weird kid and look, who could fly. Like, I mean... Well, this is the other thing. I don't The wanna... fact that he could fly justifies all the other stuff. This is a movie that is 30 years old. And I can tell you now, as an adult, I'm disappointed that he can fly. Like, I kind of wanted it to be, he had autism and it was his imagination, right? Yeah. But in the end, he does fly. He does fly. Right? But as a kid, I wanted him to fly. I wanted him to fly, totally. You know, and that's what I thought it was about. And I mean, for me, this movie, 
this movie was always up there with peanut butter solution. Like, yeah, like it, totally. You know, they were together at the, at the, you know, the movies, you know, along with things like the millionaire cat and like those kind of Disney <laughs> yeah. movies that you would borrow from movie land. Yes. You know, many uh, times on over. a, on a, you know, when you, t- your mum would take you to the video store on a Saturday afternoon to shut you up. Well, this is one of them. I used to borrow yeah. this. I saw it at the cinemas, but I'd borrow it all the time. Had a tasty little yeah. clamshell with a great little cover up. It's one of those movies too, that when you, when you take it up to the counter, your mum go again, You've oh, seen that one. I got um I got banned from the video store. Mum gave me an ultimatum. She says you can either hire follow that bird again <laughs> and never rent another movie, or you can choose something different and rent as many times as you want. I still took follow that bird because I caught her bluff. I, <laughs> like, yeah, I know how to shut myself up, Mum. Anyway, uh, the boy who could fly. This is wonderful. Like um, it's dark too because these two main characters. You got a teenage girl whose dad commits suicide. Yeah. Right. And then an autistic kid next door whose parents died in a plane crash. So they're both dealing with loss. But you don't put that in kids' movies any, anymore. No. It just doesn't happen. No, it's become so sanitized now that yeah. you, there's no dealing with issues in kids' films. And it's not like it it, it um, damages kids. Because as a kid, that stuff washed over me. And yeah. it was the flying stuff that mattered, right? Yeah. And then as an adult, you watch it and you go, far out, man. Like, that's <laughs> heavy stuff. Um, directed by Nick Castle. Yeah. So, you know, the Shape. The Shape from Halloween. <laughs> Uh, Jay Underwood was in it. He, there's some Disney alumni right there. Wasn't he? What was the... Because he, he made other movies where he played a robot. Oh, the, right? Not Quite Human? Not Quite Human, Were they yeah. Disney? I think they they were. I think they're Disney. Three of them and with... um, What's his name? Alan... Um, Alan Thick. Thick. that's right. Uh, Lucy Deakins played the girl you know, from... Was it Uncle Buck? She was the daughter? Is that what she's from? I think it is. You might want to look that up while I'm doing this. Bonnie Bedella is in it. Love Bonnie Bedella. And Colin Dewhurst. And I remember her. Like, she was... Fucking Anna Green Gables. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> She's a bit scary, but you know. Um, but yeah, like, I think this was the movie that Fred Savage did first, and it kind of made him a little bit of a Hollywood, um, I guess, hot commodity because he did go on. Obviously, he would eventually go on to the Wonder Years, but he made movies like The Wizard. I saw that at the cinemas. Uh, Vice Versa. How good's Vice Versa? Vice Versa is great. Oh. She was Lucy Deacons. Just sorry to interrupt. Yeah, she, yeah. She was in the Great Outdoors. Ah, oh, I knew she was a daughter and, in something. And Cheetah. There you go. If you remember, that's Cheetah. the John Hughes connection with the Great um, Outdoors. Yeah. Cool. Um, actually, let's talk and, about uh, little Nikita. Cool. Yeah. Let's talk about the Wizard for a moment. So that's um one of the most genius marketing employees ever put ever. to cinema. That and that. Well, I like that they basically remade it with that with that Neil Patrick Harris movie on Netflix. What's the the one? It's all about the Nintendo, where he has to he wants to get the Nintendo, and only the rich kid has one in yep. the street, so he goes on the kind of quest to get it. Because I remember, like, I always, I never, I didn't have a Nintendo. I've never had a Nintendo. Never, yeah, was never got one. Yep. Um, but I remember I wanted that power glove with, <laughs> it's with bad. a passion, it's bad. and it, but it was it's the shittest, <laughs> the shittest controller ever invented. Yeah, the power glove. I, I honestly don't know why. In the, this modern age, when they're redoing all of that stuff, yeah. why no one's actually made like a cool power yeah. glove that works? Well, the the whole the whole prem- the, the purpose of the film was to sell the power glove and to promote Mario Brothers Three, yeah. because Mario Brothers Three was the big reveal in the movie. Like you know, the promise of the marketing was we're going to reveal a brand new game, and you get there and it's Mario Three, which is arguably Nintendo's greatest game of all time. Um, so that was a movie that had a big impact on me, but vice versa as well. Like. That's Freaky Friday with the roles reversed. But what yeah. I didn't know until I was reading up on this is that vice versa, 
in literature terms, the book came long before Freaky Friday, and Freaky Friday was adapted as like the role reversed version of it. Right. Wasn't there also? Um, I mean, Freaky Friday would have been before, but what are the? Wasn't there one with? Um, There's heaps. There's heaps of them. George Burns. Yeah, that's and eighteen Kirk again. Cameron. Yeah, eighteen again. Um, you had Dream a Little Dream. You had um, with the with the chorus. like Father like Son. Yeah, Dream a Little Dream yeah. Two is with the the role reversal. Right. Um, yeah, like Father like Son with Kirk Cameron and Dudley Moore. And Dudley Moore. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so vice versa was a book written in eighteen eighty two, all about a father and a son that swap bodies. Yeah, right. And then Freaky Friday wasn't published until 72, 1972, which you know was taking that concept. So everyone used to say, oh, vice versa, it's just a ripoff of Freaky Friday. It's like, <laughs> no. no. <laughs> so there we go. I got my little um, Fred Savage out of my system. Um, he's a controversial figure these days. <laughs> Is he? Oh, yeah. He's, uh, yeah, you just read up on Fred Savage now. Oh, right. He's, he was uh, in a great movie about sex addiction, I remember, <laughs> well, which I think I've mentioned before on the show. Might have something to do with the trouble he's in. <laughs> the, yeah, right. Okay, it's one, it's one of those. Now, this movie, in, and it's, it's, it's such a great idea, like in the start of the movie, he's going out with this, with this super hot woman yep. who's like a model, and he's, because he's going out with her, he's allowed into this, to the world of the beautiful people, mm-hmm. and then <laughs> one day he catches her cheating on him, and so they break up. And all of a sudden, he's no longer, he doesn't understand why. All of a sudden, he has no access. Like, all those people he thought were his friends and stuff, none of them are his friends anymore because he is, like, the ugly one. <laughs> and, like, he doesn't get into that stuff. He can't, you know. And it is that kind of thing, you know, the, the, only, time, the only time that uh, women are ever attracted to you is when you have a girlfriend. Like, when you're <laughs> single, they want nothing to do with you. And that's kind of the thing he's, fa- and then he kind of, he's, he descends into kind of, uh, sex with prostitutes and right, porn Jesus. and stuff, and it becomes this hot. It's got this. It's got this great moment. It's one of my favorite moments in film, where he's uh, in Las Vegas and he's uh, look, looking on the computer for a prostitute to bring up to his room, mm. and he finds one, and it, it's like a porn star. The the image on the thing is like, oh yeah, it should be great. What is her? <laughs> the woman who gets to the door is like in her forties. Doesn't look anything like the girl thing. He's like, oh, you don't look anything like your picture. And she's like, do you want me to leave? <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, well, before I throw it over to your next one, I just want to acknowledge the fact that we spent maybe 10 seconds talking about 18 again, and we managed to get George Burns' name in there, right? Yeah. But we spent like a few minutes talking about Vice Versa and didn't mention Judge Reinhold. <laughs> Who was the other character, the father figure? The father, yeah. It's not a stretch to think of him as a little boy because his personality is essentially like a goofy teenager. I think it's amazing, like, when you look, Back at He's great who the too. teen stars, yeah. who the teens were in these movies, and then who the adults were. Yeah, I know. And like, and then you think, and you look, and what the last one of these movies I think was that one with uh, Matthew Perry. And, it's a remake. Uh, it's seventeen again. Seven, it's yeah. eighteen again remake. Eighteen again, yeah. Yeah. And it's Matthew Perry and uh, uh, Zach Efron. Zach Efron. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, look, look, the careers are once you once you be, <laughs> play the adult in one of these movies, your career seems to drop off. <laughs> well, also kind of. Think like you look at Matthew Perry in that movie, and he doesn't seem that old to do no. the big gender swap. Like, I guess, I guess maybe the remake had George Burney was like practically two hundred when he. <laughs> I think, but the, you know, the thing that I find most ridiculous about those films is that people, as a rule, in general, people don't really change. If you're an extrovert in high school, you're an extrovert as an adult. Yep. If you're an introvert in high school, you're an introvert as an adult. So him being the most popular guy in school as a kid yeah. to being I know. a schlub, you're like, 
<laughs> his personality wouldn't because in his head you're still you're still the same person well, you yeah, were. Well, that's right. It's as a teenager, like you still. Movie. It just doesn't. It doesn't make any sense how they these people have changed All so right. much. Enough, Fred Savage and Zac Efron. On to you, sir. Uh, well, some of the okay. Well, <laughs> these movies have absolutely no connection to okay. each other. But I did see Except one. They of, were they were all at me. They were all at me. I did see Wonder Boys. That's where I saw Wonder Boys yeah, for the yeah. first time. And I absolutely love Wonder yeah, Boys. Yeah, it's a good movie. Um, it's based on a Michael Chabon novel, Michael Douglas. It's, it is full of kind of, I think, well, Robert, there's Robert Downey Jr. during the, the, the slump in his career. <laughs> and it's to this day, I, think, I still think it's probably the best film he's ever actually done. Yep. Uh, or, or at least the best character he's what ever played. What a bloody career he's had. Like, he's got so many phases to his career. Yeah. Like really, yeah. really weird. And this one, he's basically, it's like he's playing himself. Yeah, yeah. Um, Toby Maguire, Katie Holmes is irresistible in this mm-hmm. movie, except to Michael Douglas. <laughs> uh, even Henry Thomas. And I remember when Henry, Henry Thomas pops up in it. And I remember thinking, surely Henry Thomas must be in his 80s or something. <laughs> and he is like, you know, what? seemingly 15, 20 years younger than Michael Douglas. And I was just like, well, that's, oh, how is that? But, um, <laughs> Another movie, I, I saw the original Mostly Martha. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, which they remade as No Reservations with yeah. Catherine Zeta-Jones. I love Mostly Martha. But Mostly Martha is such a fantastic film. Yeah, it is. I love food. Foreign food movies really appeal to me. Yeah. yeah. And it's it's a weird romantic comedy because mm. it's like the romance is actually between this woman and her niece yeah. who she gets yeah. kind of lumbered with. Mm. Uh, it's a different love. When, um, when her mother dies. Yeah. Um, who seems to be... Because she is also... She's very weird, mm. the Martha character. She's, yeah. she's incredibly introverted. She, she expresses herself through food. Through food, yeah. yeah. And has trouble expressing herself in any other way. That's right. Um, it's like water for chocolate, like the same thing, like expresses her love yeah. through food. Yeah. yeah. Except it doesn't make people horny when they eat her food. Those damn ethnic. <laughs> they really, it's German. <laughs> they, they strip the passion out of it. Like, uh, like they, bring a, they bring an Italian in to, to draw yeah, it yeah. out of her. Um, but it's a great film, great soundtrack. Th- highly recommend it. Don't bother with no reservations. It's <laughs> it's pap in it's comparison. It's serviceable. Like you know, if you only see that, it's a it's yeah. a decent film. But if you have seen mostly Martha, you're like no comparison. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because who's the shit? Who's the Aaron Eckhart? Yeah, I mean, I look, I like Aaron Eckhart. Some of the time. I put no reservations in that whole serendipity kind of no rom-com realm or return to me. It's like, you know. I mean, look, I, I, love, I, I, I love return <laughs> yeah, to me. me too. <laughs> serendipity is a movie that I have a lot of trouble with <laughs> because I I really don't like John Cusack in it and I don't like Kate Beckinsale in it, but I love John Corbett in it. Like his uh, whole stuff is, yeah. is some of the funniest stuff I love that movie. ever filmed. I love that movie. It's That to me is up there with Sleepers in Seattle. Yeah, right. Yeah. Oh, I just couldn't... Uh... There was the, there is the, because that was, that's post high fidelity for John Cusack. Yeah, it's all, yeah. And he did, he did Serendipity and Must Love Dogs. And in both of them, I think maybe by that stage, the rumors floating around about him being an asshole in real life yeah. had kind of started to emerge <laughs> and had, it really put me off. He hadn't quite descended to the DTV realm that he had practically lingered in, like, language for the rest of the He's still in today. Yeah, but that was a, it was a slump because he'd been Hollywood's, you know, golden boy for a while. He was yeah. never quite a lead, but he was sort of, you know. Well, he was always the, th- like, he was like the thinking woman's lead. Yeah, that's right. 
Um, and serendipity to me, and, and he always had like a long leather jacket in these movies. Yeah, and... because that's why that's why Gross Point Blank was such a revelation. Because yeah. even though in real life he had been studying like martial arts his yeah. whole life and all that sort of stuff, but it was like no one ever thought that John Cusack would be in an action movie. Yes, I had read somewhere my voice that go up so he, high, in an interview, said that of all the films he's done, there's only five that he thinks are good. Yeah, right. He only likes five of his own films. Because he, he's a career actor, he just you know, works for the money, and as they should, you know. Yeah. But I think definitely High Fidelity, Gross Point Blank was another one. I honestly can't remember. I think I think maybe Better Off Dead was one of them. Right, and Eight think, Men Out. No, that have been in there. No, but he. I think he contextualized Better Off Dead just for the era. You know, the right. type of movie it was. Journey it was of Nettie Gan. <laughs> no, I don't think that was one. It might actually be like Map of the Human Heart. Which is the the oh, Vince Grifters? Ward film. I haven't seen that Grifters. Yeah, Surely see, Grifters this is what I thought when he said it. I'm like, there are plenty, plenty of movies you've done that are good, but in his yeah. mind, I guess what he's proud of is only like a handful. So yeah, right. Interesting. But then like. again, he's an asshole. Yeah, from well, all I, reports. Yeah, that's right. And these days, you'll notice a common thread in the movies he does. Not only are they direct to video, he's always wearing a black baseball cap. Yeah, it must be like which is weird considering he does not have any <laughs> uh, balding issues. Well, he should be proud of bloody Love and Mercy. That's a great movie. That's a great movie, yeah. He doesn't look anything like fucking Wilson. Anyway, we'll ignore that fact. He made... Um, but neither does Dano. What was the one he made with Nicolas Cage that was amazing? The Frozen Ground, was it? The serial killer one? He played the Alaskan serial killer? Oh, no, but I thought you were film. talking about Con Air, no. which is amazing. <laughs> no, he made another one with um, Vanessa Hudgens as well, and that's one of the great serial killer movies. Oh, yeah, right, yeah. yeah. I didn't know that. I think I remember that movie. I didn't know. I can't remember him being in it. Yeah, yeah. He was the, and he looked a bit different because he had those like 1950s sort of glasses on and yeah. he looked a bit nerdier than normal. And, and what's the one with, uh, <laughs> is it the Paperboy? Paperboy. Is it the, where he's with um, Nicole Kidman and stuff and That's things the one Zach with Zac Efron? Efron. Yeah. And he jerks, like, because he, he's the prisoner and he jerks off. That's a disturbing he's movie. His, he's got his hands like tied behind his back and she's yeah. just there kind of making sexy faces at him and he's able to yeah. like. You know, jerk we, himself off with start, no hands. We start like sledging the guy, and now we're saying all these good things he's done. <laughs> yeah, well, because it, I well, like the factory. That was a good thriller. I, look, I think he's. I think he's had a great career. I think he's. He's. Those rumors have really kind of um, put a pallor onto them. Totally. But if you can separate that, then he like even like that one he did with Samuel L. Jackson, where he's hiking with his kid. Yes. I actually really enjoy that yes. film, whatever whatever it's called. God, what was that one? Um. You know, and I, look, I have met people who have worked with him and they've said he's a total cunt. But do you remember in the, in the real early days of the internet, yeah. they there was a, like a, a forum or whatever it is, a website um, that was all... <laughs> no, it wasn't. Yeah, Raid, Raid Kelly. Uh, it was a website where people who worked in the service industry yes. would, would yes. tell stories about celebrities, you know, yeah. and they would basically, you know, true reels. And it was all, John Cusack used to come into this cafe regularly and he was a total prick. Was it, do you reckon he always was from the get go? Cause he's a child actor from Hollywood or do you yeah. think it's just jaded over the years? You know, he's been driven down to the DTV world. Like he's just, he's at that point in his career. He just, just reckon, yeah, no look, fucks I, to give anymore. You know, Bill Murray famously said <laughs> that when you become famous, you've got six years to decide whether or not you're going to become an asshole. Yeah. And from everything that you've heard about Bill Murray, he made the wrong choice. <laughs> he chose asshole. Yeah. Uh, I think he's making amends for that in his later years. I think that's the that's the 
the spin. The, that's what he's trying to present. Because uh, uh, I don't know if that's. I would love the case. to. I'd love to go to his Caddyshack restaurant. Apparently, he just he's there a lot, and if you go to have dinner there, you're likely to see Bill Murray working the floor and serving you and stuff like that. Yeah, right. Yeah, he owns oh, it with his brothers, both of them. Brian Doyle and isn't there? There's a that, yeah, there's the four, other one there? from there's... that God Bless America movie. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That guy. But isn't there? Which is the uh, the one from Caddyshack? Um, the other Caddyshack, the one that wrote Caddyshack, which is... No, 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 that's, there's Brian Doyle. Yep. Yeah, but, but then there's another one, there's... Like Ray Murray the, or something like that. There's the one from, um, uh, what's the one? Groundhog Day, that's in the room next to him, that he always meets on the stairs on the way out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's the other brother. There's well, a, there's a, there's a, is he the one a, in God Bless America? No. Okay. No, because the one from God Bless, <laughs> Bless America, I'm pretty sure, is the one from Moving Violations. Yeah, I think so. Who's like the kind of... The younger, edgier brother, well, but then there's the other. He's the the fatter, nicer. Well, I know kind this is a brother. whole like Wahlburgers thing. It's a deal where it's all the brothers have chipped in and, and they've opened. Um, I think it's called Caddyshacks, and um, it's a golf you know movie or, or thing. Cinderella, at least it's not Cinderella story. <laughs> My life in golf. Um, uh, fuck. We've yeah, so we have we covered yours. Yes, we have. Sure. <laughs> How about some boneheads then? Yeah, let's do it. Welcome to Bonehead Weekly Fun Size. We don't have a topic this week for those Australian folks. What would you like to talk about? Is there a movie you've seen lately that you like? I've got one. I've got one too. All right, I'll go first. I love The Black Phone. Now, I don't remember reading the actual short story that Joe Hill wrote to uh, that's based on, but see Robert Cargill and uh, Scott Derrickson do a fantastic job with the film. I, I, the only, I did it a review for Scarefest. The only complaint I can throw out of it at it is that if they cut about five or eight minutes out of it, I think it would just be nonstop. And what I, the big compliment I got to give it is that it has one of the best catharsis endings, you know, where you're like, ah, man, that's good. And I, not since probably once upon a time in Hollywood that I was like, oh, this, everybody, everybody kind of gets their comeuppance and it's just, I liked it a lot. I liked it a lot, lot. And it had two or three good jump scares in it that got me. Two of them got me. So, Chad? Mine, mine is not from this year. Uh, I just discovered this year it's from the 2020. Um, it's a Dutch film. Um, yeah, it's uh, from director Anders, Anders Thomas Jensen, who, by the way, is slowly becoming one of my favorite directors. Uh, if you haven't seen some of his films, I highly check them out. But Riders of Justice should be at the top of that list. Uh, uh, it, it stars Mads Mikkelsen. Uh, it, basic, I don't want to give too much away because there is so much, uh, so much insanity involved in this movie. But he plays a soldier who's off fighting um, in Iraq or, or somewhere over in the Middle East. Um, and he gets a call that his, his wife has died, tragically. Um, and it's about him going home and and joining forces with this weirdly weird group of computer people um, who each have their who are each very flawed in their own way um, to find the real killer. And it's through a matter of throughout the movie you find and this mad Mad just slowly discovers that he's just as messed up as these three other individuals. It is a beautiful film, heart wrenching, very funny. Um, I highly recommend it, uh, especially if you like Mads, because most of us in America know Mads, uh, you know, as Hannibal um, or from Casino Royale, just playing the really tough stone man who doesn't have really much range of emotion. 
and yeah. uh, and a lot of his work with Anders Thomas Jensen proves that that man is more talented than than we give him credit for. So, Riders of Justice. All James. right, James. You know, I'm going to go with one that I've talked about before on Bonehead, but it literally is one of those movies that can pop in any time. It's very different than the ones you all have talked about with horror and your, your dramedies and whatnot. I'm going to mention it again just because I enjoy it. Brain Donors. Uh, it's called <laughs> something else, Other Places, but Pat Proft basically rewriting the Marx Brothers. John Turturro, speaking of people playing against the type that they're usually associated with, uh, most modern audiences in America might know might know John Turturro from Secret Window. You stole my story, uh, or um, that George Clooney movie, or, or you know all all the Transformers movies. Or no, movie nobody, nobody. I I don't remember him from the Transformer movies. No, I refuse. To them. I refuse to uh, acknowledge them too. You know, but but, but if, if you've never seen it, it is a straight up send up of the uh of of the marx brothers it's a night at the opera except with a ballet company and you got john Turturro basically playing a modern day Groucho marx who's a shifty attorney and the three people he, he and it's constant stupid lines and slapstick my favorite one that i've actually quoted around colleagues is sp- that spells cash with a capital k you need to go back to school i hated teaching it's just that type. If you like stupid wordplay, you'll enjoy it. I think that's why I like it. It's not a movie I watch when I want a serious movie, obviously. But when I just need something, it's something I can go back to and enjoy. So if you've never seen Brain Donors, it's gotten different titles other places. I don't know what it's called in Australia. But John Turturro, Brain Donors, written by Pat Prof, directed by uh, Mr. Uh, Dennis Dugan. All right. This has been Bubblehead Weekly Fun Size. I got it wrong. Joel Murray, Joel Murray is the one from God Bless America, <laughs> and he's in One Crazy Summer and Dumber and Greg and stuff like that. And John Murray, who's <laughs> who becomes the fat one in Scrooge, seemingly, okay. is the one from Movie Violence. Gotcha. So I, I guess you you've been looking it up. So and then prob- there's Edward Murray. <laughs> there's another one. You probably haven't paid any attention to the uh, Boneheads whilst you were looking that up, yeah? Uh. <laughs> So whilst you were looking that up, did you know the Boneheads were talking? Were they? <laughs> I want to. Um, I just want to sort of uh, address something that uh, James said that I found most peculiar. He's talking about brain donors and he's talking about John Turturro, and he says like people might know him from Secret Window. I'm like, I reckon that's the last place people would know John Turturro from. <laughs> do you remember? <laughs> do you remember Jonathan Ross? Yeah, Jonathan Ross, t- the British TV show yeah, host. Yeah. He used to host the a list. TV show called The Incredibly Strange Film Show. Yeah. And he wrote a book called The Incredibly Strange Film Book. Yeah. One of the movies he talks about in that is um, one of the Edgar Allan Poe movies that Corman did starring Jack Nicholson. Yeah. And in the review, he's like, I don't know what happened to this Jack Nicholson guy. He's a fantastic <laughs> actor and he just seemed to disappear after this movie and was never in anything ever again. <laughs> and it's like, it's because the interesting Jack Nicholson disappeared yeah, and he yeah. became movie star Jack Nicholson. But it's like, that's how the I feel like. The eccentric Jack yeah, Nicholson. Yeah. yeah. I think that's how he's just like. Okay. Because I mean, it's not like he made Miller's Crossing or Do the Right Thing or The Big Lebowski or show Mr. Or... Deeds, even. Like, <laughs> very sneaky. <laughs> I think you underestimate the stickiness. But in all fairness, he did say most American audiences probably know him from. Life. So maybe over there, the secret window is huge. I love that he has a foot fetish in that film. 
But it's like it's Adam Sandler's feet. He's obsessed with. And he just keeps sneaking up yeah. on them. Oh, uh, and, oh, and watch actually, that. let's watch that now. Let's just and, stop the show oh, and watch uh, Mr. Deeds. I'm gonna, you can't bring Mr. Deeds up without me quoting that one line every time it comes up yeah. is when he piggybacks that old bloke across the road and he goes, thanks for the lift, Deeds. It's <laughs> <laughs> a very good movie. I don't care what anybody says. Um, but also, I just want to um, pick up on what James said about brain donors and that it was probably called something else elsewhere in the world, but... It was called Brain Donors There's here. There's Brain Donors here, yeah, but definitely. who knows what it was called in Turkey or Greece. <laughs> probably, probably something in Turkish, I'm assuming. <laughs> anyway, uh, let's move on. Um, by the way, go and visit the Bonehead Weekly podcast and, and check them out. Check them out. Particularly They're a lot of fun. If you've got the time, do the YouTube version because you get to watch them bounce oh, off each other. You get to watch and, them, yeah. yeah. I, miss the, I miss the hanging out on the couch days. Yeah, I know they just don't live in the same area anymore, but they did used to host the show from a basement on a couch, a la Wayne's World style. Yeah. And it was a yeah great dynamic. I would love to do that if I had the space, you know? I'd love our videos to morph beyond the desk, you know, and into something bigger. Bigger. Yeah, yes. into a bigger space. That's well, right. Just a space with air conditioning that yeah. doesn't <laughs> make any noise. <laughs> There's a trip behind the uh, curtain right there. Yeah. It's hot in here. Because it's a Nelly, it's a Nelly song. That's here. right. Ben's taking off all of his clothes. <laughs> oh, That's, shit. Aren't you glad we don't film uh, the show? <laughs> Nobody needs to see that. I do love that Chad took uh, Riders of Justice. That was my number one film of 2000. I, I remember uh, talking about it on the show. Totally, totally. Obviously, Chad doesn't listen to it. No, <laughs> he does. Though. Well, I mean, he can still. Uh, <laughs> you know. No one needs to have a perfect memory. I can't remember the I can't remember the films I talked about two weeks ago, <laughs> let alone a film hey, that you talked about I a just year ago. Like giving them shit because they've given us so much shit over the years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just time for a little comeuppance. Yeah, but usually, I'm I'm constantly surprised when when one of their segments doesn't end with "fuck Ben." <laughs> I think too. I think Chad's very mindful of it now. I think yeah. his his tone has changed a little bit, but Joe don't give a fuck. No, he's just. Uh, <laughs> He just likes to <laughs> stick the boot in whenever he sink the boot in whenever he gets a job. Right here. Well, I kind of hijacked you at the last um last one of yours. So why don't you go ahead and do another one? Um. By the way, the... have you seen? <laughs> <laughs> you timed that very very well. Uh, I'm going to talk about like I I saw a film at Myth, and it was. It was a revelation to me, um, and this, the film. And I, I like. I, I genuinely thought this was a great film. I'm shocked that he got the money to make it, and I'm shocked. I was kind of shocked that he was going to have a career after this. I just. I thought it was so good that he was just going to end up like a Phil Alden Robinson and just do TV pilots for the rest of his life. <laughs> uh, Look that guy up. But the film. The film is called The Myth of the American Sleepover. It did get a release. Uh, locally through, I think maybe Accent or Curious or one of those, it was one of those labels that Griffin released. It's directed by David Robert Mitchell, who would famously go on uh, to direct uh, It Follows, was his kind of big one, and then after of that, uh, Under the Silver Lake. And they, they share this kind of same timeless nostalgia quality, all of his films. Yep. Um, There's a John Hughesness to them, I reckon, if that's, it, a, if that's a term. It just, all these movies feel like, you know, that 
and we didn't have it as much here, but in America they definitely did. Like that start of school holidays where you've got like three months, it feels like three months off and your time is your own and the the equivalent of the American summer break. Yeah. 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 It just and that's what that's what all his films kind of feel like. Like they're all set in that period, even when they're not. Uh, the, the American summer break always cracks me up. It, it weirds me out because right now they've just come out of their summer break. So I'm getting on my Facebook all these photos of the kids are back at school, you know, first year, and they all take photos of that shit. Yeah. And I'm like, our kids are halfway through their year. Like, it's yeah. so weird. I mean, look, I couldn't do it. Like, I love the idea of it, but then to go through the rest of the year with no holidays, give me, give me two weeks, <laughs> twice, and a longer holiday. Or you want to go times. through the whole year's calendar and reach the end with a reward. Yeah. You know? I mean, but you still, I mean, and that was the beauty of, you know, by the time you got up to year, like the best one is like year 10, year 11, yeah. where you don't have exams. You've just got a really long fucking holiday. I'm loving this. I'm hijacking you again, man. This is like, um, um this is like every other episode that's always done to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the myth of the American sleepover, funnily enough, it is, this movie is actually set in that period of yeah, time. Right. Okay. It is the, it's all of these kids who have just, I think it's their last kind of, Last hurrah from high school, awesome. and they're all about to go off to to college or get jobs or whatever. Yeah, and there's like there's different sleepovers, or you know, different kids are having these different. Or it's I think maybe it's not the end of school; it's the last day of holidays yeah, 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 yeah. before they all disappear. I have to see it, and it's the last kind of you know the last hurrah of their of their adolescence. Yep. I guess you would say, and it just has this this such an amazing feel to the to the film it, it makes you nostalgic for a time that you never actually had yeah i love that and it, it, it i look i was i was stunned by and i feel like his other films like i said have that same kind of vibe mm. i do find it very interesting that when i was looking when i was researching this film after under a silver lake came out which yeah. i loved and yeah. didn't seem to get any kind of real attention i thought it was great and i yeah. and that's coming from someone who's who's always had Similar to my relationship with Burt Reynolds, has had a love hate relationship <laughs> yeah. with Andrew Garfield. Yeah. Um, though I, I I really like Under a Silver Lake. Yep. But I remember seeing there's footage of him doing interviews about Myth of the American Sleepover and the start of It Follows, and he's he's like a kind of a regular looking, slightly nerdy kind of guy in a sweater, you know, like a Charlie Brown sweater, and you know. Th- Glasses and stuff. And then by the time... So It Follows has exploded and become huge. Yeah. He's made this big Hollywood movie with a decent budget under a, under the Silver Lake. And he's at Khan and people are asking him questions and stuff. And he's dressed as... He's dressed in like a white cowboy <laughs> kind of outfit with a cowboy hat, a white suit mm. and fr- a fringe. And he's got hipster glasses on. And he's... Totally cocky and arrogant with the press, right? Like real, like a kind of really, yeah. You know, John Cusack, yeah, put you <laughs> off, yeah. yeah. And you're like, geez, he's really bought his own press. Wow. And then this movie's a flop, and you're yeah. like, well, <laughs> no, I'm interested to see what happens next. Suck that up, cockhead. But I mean, it is a shame because good film, pound man. for pound. I really, really, really enjoyed Under a Silver Lake. I thought it was a, it was released by Umbrella. I thought it was a crime. They only released it on DVD, and they did nothing in terms of extras or. It's a or, tricky. It's a tricky movie. It, it, but then they didn't get anything. That's the other it problem didn't too. Do much for me, I must admit. It, it, but it, it suffered the same fate that Southland Tales did. Like it was just a bit too weird, um, and people didn't get it. Yeah, I see. I mean, Southland Tales, I thought was 
Yeah. But you know I, what I mean? They're saying like I can, the I weird David Lynchy kind of stuff where you know a lot of yeah. lot of um interpretation required and you know But it's just so what I like about it is that the main character is so laid back. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. And that makes you like feel incredible like I just I mm. really, really dug it. I think I even in my review of that mentioned I like so much about what I'm seeing, but I'm not making sense of it. And I think that was, you know, my issue with it, I just couldn't. Well, there's yeah, there's definitely a a a um, not supernatural, but there yeah. definitely is a a like a mystical totally twist. But it's weird. I don't know what it is film. because at the same time, I can't make sense of my Holland Drive, but I love that. Like, so go figure. Yeah, no, my Holland Drive is excellent. Yeah, <laughs> but I, okay, yeah, and I really liked Under a Silver Lake. It's actually I'm due for a rewatch of it. Cool. Well, this um, um this sleepover movie, like, how does it? Compared to say like the the Kings of Summer because I saw that at Miff I think it was a Miff and that's a well, summer that's a, movie. I was going to say it for me for me it's it's the eighties nineties yeah. yeah. version of Dazed and Confused, awesome. but it's just a lot more real. Yeah, like you know Dazed and Confused is as as much as I love Dazed and Confused, it is a heightened reality. Yeah, whereas this movie feels totally authentic, totally organic. Mm. And is just like it, it, it's, it's almost like there's not even that much really kind of going on. You've it's like a slice of life. You've sold me kind like, of movie, and it, yeah. it it just is so ridiculously watchable. Yeah, like it is a great. Like I was, like I saw this. I think I saw this the same year as I saw uh, Linda, Linda, Linda. Maybe well, it's the same year I saw The Tower, Steve, which is a fantastic mm. film with Donald Logue. Um, no, I think that must have been earlier, but maybe Wonder Boys is that year. Mm. And there was, it was just this spate of yep. these films that were just like so relaxing to watch. I, I love the sound of it. I'm definitely going to check it out. And and like no other podcast in the world, I think in the course of maybe six months have mentioned Linda, Linda, Linda twice. <laughs> as many times. Yeah. Yeah. No one. <laughs> it's me and Lucas Testro are the only people uh, and, and James Fergan, who I went to see the film with. Uh, the only people who remember Linda, 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 and love it. Good Movie Monday is made possible with the support of people like Viewlorium. Viewlorium is a streaming platform for rare and obscure movies, and it's absolutely free. They also have a catalogue full of kids' flicks, classic movies, foreign cinema, and more. Visit Viewlorium.com today to see what it's all about. Here's a memory for you, Ben. Another one of uh, my earliest memories of catching a bus with my mates without parental supervision to the cinemas to watch movies. Bill when and Ted was one of those. Tickets as well. were sixty cents. Yeah, because I, I lived, I lived in sort of the, the north, sort of eastern suburbs, and we used to go to either Northland or we'd go to the Greensboro and just you know, catching the bus when you're like not even teenage years yet. You know, it was exciting. And my didn't even know about it. <laughs> I, I, do, I remember my, you know, my first trips going into the city by myself oh, and I being found, like, am I allowed to do this? I'm not telling anyone that I'm doing this. Shit. Yeah. I did. I really did. Even just going to my local mall. Like, <laughs> I remember catching, like, at that point, I remember catching the train with a friend of mine, Alex, to come out to Ringwood to go to Oasis Comics <laughs> oh. and being like, I'm in Ringwood. Like, <laughs> I don't even really know where this is. <laughs> I remember that story. Yeah. <laughs> So this movie, uh, without parental supervision, it's not that spicy. It was Police Academy Six, <laughs> City Under Siege. Now there's a franchise I adore. I, what a what a great film! Like we're talking a seven instalment franchise with six bangers. 
Like it is like it, from one to six, I love them. Yeah, absolutely love them. Um, Which is your favourite? Well, that's interesting because for the longest time growing up, it was number four because you know they had little David Spade in it. Yeah, and that's right. Had Sharon Stone in it, um, and it was Steve Gutenberg's final one. And I felt that that was. And is that is 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 uh, what's the name in that one too? Um, Bobcat. Bobcat. He's in it, but that's he's his like he's one, one of the recruits. It's his final one. No, he's now in number four. He's a bona fide cop. Right. Uh, in number one, he's the biker. Yeah, he's the leader of the gang. Yeah. Okay, and then the next one, he's yeah. the yeah Mickey. Mickey. <laughs> Mickey. That's number four. Yeah. <laughs> that slow and motion run. Who's the Corinne Bura is his like yeah. girlfriend yep. in that, and yep. I always had a major crush on Corinne Bura. She ran up in uh, Veronica Mars. She did. She's a drunk mum. Yeah. And but then she played. Do you remember that? uh, What was that show with Cheryl and Fenn, where she's like the recovering alcoholic? Yeah. And Karim Boor is her like straight laced (laughs) sister-in-law. It really kind of it was like that's the wrong role for her. To answer your question, so number four was my favourite, but as an adult looking back and having rewatched them many times, number three is the funniest by far, as far as I'm concerned. Problem with number three doesn't have um, Harris in it. Yeah. As Proctor, but Proc- not Harris. But it's got the other guy, Mauser. Yeah, and is they, it Mauser? the one they take his eyebrows off. Yeah, and that's funny in and of itself. Like I think just the comedy smart. Yeah, they give him the stuff. He's got no hair. They end up like the whatever they <laughs> they, they put the mace or whatever into the shower. Oh, that's number four, I think, because that's Harris, right? That's is that Harris? Yeah, because he walks Mauser. out with his, his, his arms up, and it's because it's not Lassard. It's it's Lassard's nephew or whatever it is. Um, uh, what's his name? Howard. <laughs> The guy, the guy from, um, the guy from uh, WKPR in Cincinnati, yeah, 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 Howard yeah. Hessman. Yep. And um, you know, head of the class and yep, all that sort of stuff. He's the he's the kind of captain of the precinct yeah, that's where right. they're all working. And so it's your yeah, Mauser and Proctor. Number three feels like an odd. Actually, number two is the oddest one out because they kind of break away from the police academy in that one, and they're on the streets. Whereas number three, four, and onwards brings it back. Because Proctor doesn't actually turn up until two. Because he's not in the first room. He's got those two other idiot yeah, stooges. But, but when he turned up, he was so instantly iconic. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's even in number seven. And is, is, for, the, is for the one where Tackleberry uh, meets his girlfriend? <laughs> yeah. He's yeah. Like, that's the... Is it Colin Camp? Colin Camp, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, number four is a banger too, I must admit. <laughs> See, for me, it's always been... For, for no, And it's not based on the comedy, really. Citizens on Patrol. But no, no. Oh, that's oh, yeah. That's the thing. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. No, no. For me, it's uh, mission. Uh, not it's mission. Uh, it's Miami Beach. Oh God, that's a good one too. And they put uh, Dork five. on his back with the sunscreen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dork. And they, he, he farts in the they farts in the lift, and they all, he's being kidnapped by Rene Auberginois, and like they they like they're okay with killing Harris, but they don't want to kill Assad. Yeah, because he's, he's just so awesome. Oh. But it's such a and Janet Jones kind of comes on, and that's the first non Mahoney. Yeah, that's right. Uh, he got replaced by is it Matthew Coy or uh, um, Matt, McCoy Matt McCoy from from uh, Deep Star Six? Yeah, uh, yeah, replaces him, and In a good, he's good. He's great. Yeah. And Janet Jones, like that, began my absolute obsession to the point where I, I have she randomly did a yeah. workout video as part of the Firm <laughs> series, her and Sandal Bergman, and I have tracked that down. And let me tell you, she does they. They call the move the Tuck Center, and it's just her thrusting her hips in a white mm. leotard, and I've I've literally watched it on a loop for hours, mesmerized. <laughs> I used to I used to always get so upset at the shit the police academy used to get. Like people yeah. hate on it. It's like but these people you hate on it, but you've seen them all. Like, I actually, <laughs> actually, well, I have I have a, I have a confession to make. Yeah, I have never seen Mission to Moscow. 
Oh, well, you don't need to. <laughs> it's, no, but it's, yeah. it, I just feel like it's the massive gap in that. Yeah, okay. Like, there's no... I feel like it was a late... It was. It came, like, nine years after the previous one, something like that. Yeah, and I just Lee. never saw it, yeah. And, like, um, was it Matthew McCoy? Was that his name? Matt McCoy, Matt yeah. McCoy. He was out, and they brought Charlie Slatter in, like, as, yeah, as sort right. of the Mahoney kind of character. They seem to keep getting younger. Yeah. Um, I mean... You had mo- like you had a good chunk of the cast in it, but well, it's always Callahan, Callahan, <laughs> and um, Bubba Smith is usually in it. Yeah, he's in it, and Tackleberry, um, the little David petite, Graf. the petite um... Hicks. Oh, no, no, Hicks. Mr. What's her, what's her name? <laughs> yeah, Huff. Is it Hicks? Huff. Oh, I think it's Hicks. I think is it's it Hicks. Hicks. Yeah. Um, and who else do you have? You had Lassard. Move, turkeys! <laughs> back, dirt back. bag, dirt bag, freeze, dirt bag. <laughs> oh my god, what a series! But anyway, number six. Um, it's the only one I ever got to see at the cinemas. Every other one of them I'd seen on video, and number six to me has a, a different feel to all the others. I, I think it's more theatrical than all the others. Maybe since the first one, it's got a kind of sinister undertone to it. But at the same time, the slapstick is, I feel, on point with number six. Particularly, do you remember the klutzy guy? The Hooks. 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 Do you remember the klutzy guy that would like walk around everywhere he'd go, he'd knock something over? And yeah, yeah, number yeah. six has him walking through the office, kind of recreating the scene he did in an earlier film, like papers fly in the air. Yeah. And fucking, yeah, some guy in a wheel, like in a, a desk chair, goes, Was it? <laughs> Was it Sweet Chuck? Sweet Chuck. Sweet Chuck? Yeah. That's, that's, yeah, Sweet or is Chuck. it Sweet Chuck the fat guy? Sweet Chuck and the fat guy. Sweet Chuck wasn't the actual um, klutzy one, but he was Bobcat Goldthwaite's little sidekick. Yeah. Right? Um, no, but there's another character that... Um, remember, his wife clung to the top of the car. Yeah, the car. When he, you know, yeah that, he doesn't want him to leave. Yeah. That's number... Fackler? Yeah, Fackler. Jeez. Fackler? Mate, we are due a marathon of Police Academy movies. Yeah. Oh, we should do it. I always thought it was odd that you remember in the first one there's the there's the Latino guy who's not really Latino. They shave he his ne- head, is that the guy? Uh no, he's the one that pretends to be a woman oh, and, yeah. uh, and then Callahan <laughs> to sneak into the girls thing. Right. And he's then you find out he's faking the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. Like he never made it back to, for another one? No. No, I don't think he is in number two. But um, um I liked his character. Yeah, no. Number one is like, it, it, it could be a standalone movie because the sequels are cut from a different cloth, you know? They, they went from sort of a, I guess a frat house movie. Like the, the first one, you could compare it to what? Porky's and Animal House. Moving on, they became a bit more family friendly. Yeah. Except for the Blue Oyster Bar. How good's the Blue Oyster Bar? Blue Oyster Bar. It's such a good bit. Yeah, I know. Like, such a great bit. It is, totally. And it's not even, like, depreciating. Like, it is, you yeah. know, it embraces but what I love it that, is. I love that, I love the I love the concept of, you know, gay toughs, street yeah. toughs. <laughs> yeah. It's because they're into leather. Yeah. You know, oh, okay. Arseless chaps. Yeah. Got the <laughs> chains. Like, like, the reality is, anywhere else, outside of that bar, or they look ridiculous. Yeah. Oh, but totally. in that bar, they look. Yeah, I mean, they look like Al Pacino but from Cruising. But you remember, you remember a while ago, I talked about this movie called The Siege. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The gay bar that they raz in that <laughs> is full of guys dressed like that. Oh, but but more, much more realistic. Do you remember those scenes in Cruising? They walk into that bar yeah. and it's just fisting galore. <laughs> Some guy lubing up to go in. I just love that. It's. I, lo- I just love that the idea, the whole idea behind fisting is like. <laughs> 
Like, let's I can't just believe say, we're talking about this. Let's just see if we can. Like, if we can. Do you reckon it can? Yeah. Oh, maybe. Turns out, yes. Yeah, <laughs> with enough lube. I love that back in... Um, back in I the... just... my Sorry, my, no. but just my big concern is like, what if it doesn't bounce back? <laughs> what if you need to ins- like, you know, have a drawstring? We've all stretched the t-shirt that yeah. you know, doesn't quite fit around the collar anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I just love that back in the day when Chloe did a segment on the show, like she wasn't sure what to watch one episode. I said, try cruising, like give it a shot. <laughs> and she was shocked. <laughs> She's like, oh, El Pacino? Yeah. It's a mainstream film. Yeah, after a serial killer. Yeah. She never wore a <laughs> handkerchief in her back pocket the same way again. <laughs> That's right. Ah, oh, fuck. And you know what? Back to Police Academy real quick. Um, I just, um, I crack up at the fact that Steve Gutenberg is still banging on about, yep, we're doing another one. It's still coming. It's like, they've practically all died. My favourite thing about Steve Gutenberg is that when he had his cameo appearance on... Party Down, where he's playing himself, <laughs> and he's just banging. Yeah, he's just super popular. Like he's still, like he's still famous enough. I, to, I uh, another Veronica Mars alumni. Yeah, yeah. I just but adore. He plays a nerd in that. In the he's in, the mayor. He's the mayor. Yeah. yeah, I just he's a bit sleazy. I love Steve Gutenberg in that era. Like he to me, like it was such an important part of the eighties. Like yeah. when I think back to it, but um. Bedroom, I just also love that and... we've talked about the entire Police Academy series from number one all the way to seven, and the only actor other than um, uh, Lassard, what's his name again? George, George, Gaines. George Gaines. That lasted the whole distance was uh, Michael Winslow. Oh, no, Callahan. Oh, do we talk about him? Her. No, no, oh, Callahan. Sub- no, but, um, do, we, do, we, do we talk about Michael Winslow? Oh, no, but we didn't talk about Michael Winslow. No, no. Like, no. no he was iconic. He was. And he's still doing that shit. He's still, yeah, the same bit. <laughs> He's in another movie that I really want to see. I heard them talk about on another podcast, and I've got the tape. Yep, called Love Lines, where he's a um, he's I don't know if he how much of a, the stuff I don't know. I think he's like third or fourth build, but it's like a kind of teen, like a what was that show that you used to play here late at night? The Love Love Love, love Songs and Dedications. It's I think it's that kind of a show. Yeah, right. And he's the DJ on it, hooking up teens. Well, I think that's what I mean, if, if he rocks up to any kind of convention, he's only going to have two posters up. It's either Police Academy or Spaceballs. I, t- I told you when um, a friend of mine, Larry, and I, when we went to Comic-Con in 2005, yeah. and uh, Cindy, uh, what's her name, <laughs> from Caddyshack. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Cindy, uh, like Lacey, Lacey, is it Lacey Underall? What's it, what are, I can't remember what her real name is, but she was there. And Larry is a massive uh, Caddyshack fan. Yeah. And he's standing in line, and when he got up to her, she, he, he was, you know, had a little bit of a chat, and she's like, "There's two. There's only two people. Only come up and talk to me about two films." Yeah. And she goes, "And I can always tell which film that person is into before they get to me. <laughs> and it's either Tron or Caddyshack." And Larry's like, "Oh, so which one am I?" She's like, "100 percent Caddyshack." Like, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yep. Yeah. And then Got I rock up and she's like, but he's Caddyshack too. Too, yeah. <laughs> he's yeah. He's not lining up for me because I was not in Caddyshack too. Ah, <laughs> oh, far out. Any more that you would like to talk about before we wrap this up? Uh, I mean, I can. I, can, I saw some great films. I just, I'll just read some. Of Do it. Them. So I also I saw Dead or Alive. The, mm-hmm. uh, there's a couple of Takeshi Miike movies. Audition. I saw Audition. There was a. I think it was a night where they played Ring, Ring Two, and then Audition. Yep. And Audition was like audition was a last film, and audition was so good that mm. I forgot what Ring and Ring Two were about. <laughs> like I couldn't t- afterwards, I couldn't tell you. All I could tell was talking about was audition. Yeah. Um, 
I saw Brother, the other Takeshi Kitano movie with uh, Omar Epps. I love that movie. A, I love that movie. It's got such an odd end. Uh, but is that yeah, the one where it. you've got the um the shot of the like from the 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 sink drain point of view, and like the the gun is in the tap or in the sink and it shoots up. It's a weird ass. I don't remember that. All I remember is that opening scene where he or not opening is scene. Is the scene where in he, it? It it would I would think so. Maybe okay. you're, th- you're not thinking of Ghost Dog. No, but no. that's good too. Like that, that I, whole scene where they came up to the top, they're both two fat Italian hitmen, and they get to the top <laughs> of the building, and they they just puffed out and can't they can't do anything because they're exhausted. Oh, I'd love that film. Um, My copy of that's vanished. I had that on DVD, and I don't know where it is. Ghost Dog. Yep. Yeah, right. Well, it's on Blu-ray now. You're there. Have, for an upgrade. Have to upgrade it. Uh, Suicide Club, the Sion Sono film, was my first experience with a Sion Sono film. Cool. Movie starts with like I think thirty or forty schoolgirls jumping in front of a train. <laughs> Fantastic, A Brotherhood of the Wolf, amazing. Was a Gaines, I think his name is. Yeah, Christopher. Yeah, Christopher And um, uh, Seymour Cassell. Yeah. And uh, and uh, uh, what's his name? Vincent Cassell. Vincent Cassell. Sorry, yep. not Seymour Cassell. <laughs> They're related. No, um, uh, who's the who's the Mark Dacoscus? Like, yeah. what a revelation in that film! Totally. You're like, I thought this guy was a B grade martial arts guy, and then he's in this, yep. and he's fucking excellent. Uh, Virgin Suicides was one I saw there. Very cool. Uh, My best fiend for a friend, the, <laughs> the Werner Herzog doco about uh, Klaus <laughs> Kinski. Uh, this film is not yet classified. That great doco about American, the American censorship stuff. Yeah. Cool. Uh, there was a great. There was an LA Confidential doco that I saw that I can't remember wow. what that was called, and it's got the great bit where um yeah I can't even remember the guy who wrote LA Confidential. Oh, it's not Curtis Hansen was the director. He directed it. Yeah, I can't remember. Um, he wrote the blue da- the blue dahlia and stuff like that. But there's a there's a great bit in the doco where he's LA Confidential had come out. Yep. And he's doing a reading and a signing at a bookshop in his town, and he comes and does it. And when he leaves, these two old women come up to him and they're like, oh, we loved LA Confidential. And he's like, thank you. That was great. And he goes, was Kim, did you go on set? Yes, I went on set. Is Kim Bassinger as beautiful in real life as she is in here? Yes, she's she's very beautiful. She's a great person. He goes, well, that's, you know, we love the movie. And he's like, well, great. Well, did your love of the movie inspire you to go out and buy the book? Oh, no. Then what the fuck good are you to me? And walks off. <laughs> such a great, yeah. such a great story. Um. Well, yeah, look, you've had yourself quite a journey over the years. Certainly, a bigger one than mine. Well, this is I think this is pretty much just that three-year period. Yeah. Uh, before I decided not to put myself through set, like five movies a day, I just can't do it anymore. Look, outside of Monster Fest, I don't enjoy festivals very much. Like, I don't know what it is. I don't like the patronage very much. You know. Yeah. You know, I don't like the conversations that go on. You know, because you know me. Like, even at screenings we go to. I'm not a huge fan of discussing the film immediately, like walking out into the foyer and yeah. just having that discussion. Kind of like to stew on it for a while, but in those environments, because you, well, like, you often change your mind well, after a movie. We walk out of a movie and yeah. you're like, "That was terrible," and then I get a message. Yeah, you know, I was thinking about it on the way home. I actually really yeah. liked it. Well, that's it. It's the drive home that makes all the difference yeah. to me, and I don't want to come out of a cinema and like instantly have to have an opinion that everyone yeah. takes home with them. You know. Yeah. So anyway, that's just my little hang up. We should probably wrap it up. This Anything Goes episode has gone on. This is a long right. one. This is, um, but Anything Goes, including the runtime. The runtime. Well, <laughs> we don't have a guest, we don't have a guest uh, interview to, uh, no, we to, to, to drag it out. No, we didn't, we didn't need that no. this episode at all. <laughs> hey, thanks for listening, everybody. Um, 
Don't forget to catch up with our team online. You've got uh, Jarrett, Guillermo, Joe, Chad, James, Chloe, Melzi, and Sam. You can find links to all of their platforms on our website, goodmoviemonday.com. Is, is my platform on there? Yeah. Do yeah. I have a platform? What's my platform? Yeah, I think it takes you to the MonsterFest page. Oh, that sucks. Oh, well, I can change that for you. <laughs> I don't have anything to do with that page. My whole life now is just Instagram stories. <laughs> well, that's where we'll send people. Uh, next week, we're going to be talking about boozy movies. And that's what uh, what's that? that's what us Aussies do best, isn't it? Drink. Drink. Well, that's another story from Comic-Con. <laughs> I, Larry and I met William Smith, the great William Smith. Yep. Who, admittedly, when we got up to his table, were, had fallen asleep. He was taking, having a little nap. He was in his, he, by that time, he would have been in his 70s. Yeah. But he woke up when we got there and got our DVD things or pictures signed. And the first that he waked up and he goes, oh, you boys Australian? And Larry, Larry and I, yeah. And he's like, the only thing I know about Australians is I like to drink as much as they like to fight. <laughs> and Larry and I looked at each other with two fat guys who'd never, <laughs> never, never been in a fight in our lives. <laughs> like, mm, yes. Yeah. Totally intimidated. <laughs> Fucking oath. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Anyway, that is us for another episode. Here's a song to send you on your way. Another movie I saw at the cinemas, Young Einstein. What a banger. Probably the best soundtrack ever in my eyes it's, it's just an absolute masterpiece of a soundtrack so here is the saints with music goes around my head have a good one everyone see you next week for a drink or two all my life I've searched upon the reasons for being here the universe and all that it contains I try to find the secrets of the brain 